0: Exploring the intersection of of medicine, medicine, sports, and pop culture. This is the Doctors Are People Too podcast. Here's your host, Dr. Josh Belfer. Welcome back to the Doctors Are People Too podcast. As always, I'm your host, Josh Belfer. And today we have a very special guest, a guest who is supporting the health of children in Ukraine. Olga is joining us. And Olga, I don't want to mess up your last name but why don't you introduce yourself briefly to the audience
1: hi hi josh nice to see you nice to meet you actually and thanks so thank you so much for having me here so my name is olga Kudinenko. Uh, i'm founder of charity foundation tabletочки not the usual words for american english and for any other language than ukrainian uh, but basically it means um a nice way of drugs like kids are saying doggy for dog kitty for cat and key uh, for tablets uh, so uh, this is name foundation which helps children with cancer in Ukraine it was founded in 2011 and since then more than 6000 kids received direct assistance from our foundation and the quality of medical treatment have been improved for more than 60,000 kids who received those help from us.
0: And if I'm right Olga, you created the foundation when you were 23 years old. What was your mindset at the time? What desire did you feel to to prompt you to create this foundation?
1: I don't like to say, but actually it was accident. I, I was young and I had a, a time and desire to help somebody. I had the resources to help. I had my time, I had my knowledge. And um, I just found one website which uh, which published uh, needs of kids with cancer. And I saw that kids need drugs that are not available in Ukraine. I was just about to go to vacation to Spain. I emailed to that volunteers who publish those uh, advertisement and asked them what what does these kids need? What are the need of the kids? And they told me to buy some drugs which cost me around three dollars per pack and it was so easy while you are going like on a tourist side scene just to visit the pharmacy and to order those pills and it was so easy to help that i started to write about this on facebook and other people decided to support my initiative and it was easier for them to donate money so i became fundraiser which was absolutely not planned in my life and then i understood that if i want to help kids and to do it effectively i have to register and to start foundation that's it that's That's the whole eh? story and and eventually, we became the biggest crowd, fu- crowd organization in Ukraine. We we are the biggest uh, foundation in childhood cancer in Ukraine. We are the biggest foundation in healthcare crowd, crowd funded, and foundation which helps children without like cancer world. Wor. So uh, we had, we received multiple awards about this and uh, for our work. So, yes, that was accident, but it was a successful accident. Uh,
0: very successful accident. Quite unbelievable what you've built out over the last 10 years. It started with buying medications, like you said, to, to help children. What has the foundation evolved into? Tell us a little bit about the different areas that you contribute to children's health in Ukraine.
1: Yeah, I will say, I, I will divide our work for four main areas. The first one, we provide direct assistance. So whatever families who have a child with cancer needs, they can receive from our foundation. We are buying pills that are not available in Ukraine. We pay for diagnosis. We provide psychosocial support. We have the only one palliative care program for kids with cancer in Ukraine. Uh, we Basically, we support the, the family during their cancer way. I will say cancer treatment and when it's finished we support in one way or another one if a child survive and they need rehabilitation they can receive this from our foundation uh, or if the child unfortunately die, dies we have palliative care assist program that supports family in grief after the child has gone so like you know everything that family needs during their way second area is um support for the hospitals so everything that ba- that, that that connected to the infrastructure we buy medical equipment we uh, buy different supplies for medical equipment we do repairment works for the hospital so everything that the building needs i will say the third area is the educational program for doctors and nurses. And the first one, but not the last, the last one, but not the least, is protection of kids' rights. So basically all advocacy campaigns to support kids' rights.
0: And as an entrepreneur and building this foundation, how did you decide which areas to to pursue? I imagine it it started with one area. Did you have that long term vision to build it out to what it has become today?
1: Uh, yes, we had the we, we had the vision, and every three years we do our strategic sessions with a team to decide what we are going to do to improve the. Quality of the treatment for kids with cancer in Ukraine. So I started to buy pills so that were not available in Ukraine. But as a, but the second point I understood that kids uh, receive blood transfusions and those blood from the donors uh, it, it 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 was never checked for different diseases. So with a blood transfusion, kid with cancer could receive also potatoes uh, B. Yeah, say say it correctly. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, B or C and we pay for the treatment from cancer and then from hepatitis B or C so we started a fundraising campaign for uh, Medical supplies to check the blood for the donors. So the kids will receive their um, Healthy blood something like this then we find out that kids from other cities who are going through the treatment in Ukraine in Kiev uh, the capital of Ukraine. They uh, don't have places to live, and the salaries of the regions doesn't allow families to rent an apartment. So basically, they are living in hospital, but they can live in the apartment. So we started our uh, program where we rent apartments for the families who are going uh, who are going through the treatment in the capital from the regions, and uh, then we started the program of um, two actually big programs. Three, the first one, we started to fundraise and to send kids for for the treatment abroad which were for the treatment that were not available in Ukraine. For example, bone marrow transplantation from unrelated donors were not available in Ukraine until 2020. So if a kid has cancer and they need bone marrow transplantation, you have to pay for the treatment abroad. Uh, then um, it was a two huge campaigns at the same time, one of our kids were dying. He was five years old and he was dying in ICU and his parents were not allowed to be with him. So basically, they were like on those last minutes, last days, they were separated. Um, and we started a campaign with, which, was, which has name, Open Doors to ICU. We asked Minister of Health to write additional explanation to the law which give a permission for their relatives to be near their kids, and actually not only for the kids, but for the adults. For example, if a husband is alone in ICU, his wife can be with them. But we were working towards kids because it was our, it is our main be- beneficiary. And the second program, at the same time, we started palliative care program, which we we were the first one and the only one who provides those support for kids. Why cannot make it through the cancer?
0: I think it's interesting how you've branched out, and as each challenge has come about, it, it sounds like you've developed plans to attack it. Whether that's you know financially, whether that's advocacy, whether that's legislation. Can you tell us a little bit about the the programs that you're doing with physicians and nurses?
1: Yeah, at some point we understood, actually in 2016 we understood that it's not only about pills and not about Sending kids abroad but about specialists who are treating kids so we have to improve the education for doctors in ukraine and uh you know like in us how many years do you study to be a doctor and to be oncologist do you know
0: so let's see well so you do four years of medical school and then it's another, I did pediatrics, which was three years, but I think it's the same amount for internal medicine. And then it's another fellowship, another three, four years for oncology. So altogether, 10 plus years, at least.
1: Yeah, yeah. And in Ukraine, <laughs> if you want to be an oncologist, you're you, ha- you are going to, I mean, you're going to the medical school, then you're going, going for these two years, so six years. And if you want to be an oncologist, you have to study from three to six months, months remotely. So basically uh, this is not enough to be as good as it can be. And we decided to develop uh, the program for uh, doctors and nurses and to improve their quality of education and to give them more opportunities to study what they might need during their career.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Figs. As an emergency medicine doctor, I wear scrubs every day. I need my scrubs to be functional, to look good, and most of all, to be comfortable. And that's why Figs is the only type of scrubs that I wear during the busy days and nights working in the pediatric emergency room. Figs celebrates 100% awesome healthcare professionals, like many of the listeners of this podcast, by making scrubs that work for them. The mission of FIGS is to make awesome scrubs so that healthcare professionals can look, feel, and perform at their best. They do this by using proprietary fabric that is moisture-wicking, anti-wrinkle, ridiculously soft, and features four-way stretch. I love wearing FIGS at work because they have so many styles and colors to keep me feeling and looking good. With so many styles, you may be asking yourself, where do I start? You can never go wrong with their core scrubs. Those are my go-to, and they never go out of stock, and they never go out of style. You can either mix and match your scrub top and pants, or else go with their FIGS kits, pre-planned outfits to make your choice a bit easier. If you're an awesome human who works in healthcare, FIGS wants you to wear the scrubs you deserve and enjoy 15% off your first order. And if you're not working on the front lines, how about thanking someone with the best scrubs on the market? Head to wearfigs.com and enter our special listener code D-A-P-T at checkout for 15% off your first order. That's D-A-P-T at W-E-A-R-F-I-G-S dot com for a special discount. Get ready to love your scrubs. Now back to the episode. One of the things that I've heard you speak about in previous interviews is the way that you market to different people, and I've heard that you've had some unique marketing opportunities and promotions, advertising on coffee cups, partnerships with supermarkets. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, you have to understand that Ukrainian culture philanthropy is totally different than in USA and in other countries. Uh, we 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 were like I would say the champions uh, in in communication in in communication for fundraising through the different auditoriums and it was easy for us to start any way of cooperation so in 2016 we found the first national partner who is selling coffee like a local starbucks it's uh, their name is aroma Cava. Uh, it's like the coffee shop and we started cooperation where a person can buy a big cup of the coffee and one hryvna twenty-five cents at that time will be donated to the foundation. And through one month, thirty thousand dollars thirty thousand dollars were fundraised for uh, for kids with cancer. Yes. And then we what else? We we started such such kind of partnerships with different different coffee shops and restaurants. Then we launch partnership with restaurants where they sell special desserts foundation for the kids with cancer and uh, we did radio tone radio do you know what is radio tone so we 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 did two days promotion about like promotional campaigns talking about kids with cancer and we ask people listeners to to do monthly subscription to donate and to support ki- for kids with cancer also we did What else? We did a huge marketing campaign uh, with the biggest retail company in Ukraine. They have more than 1,300 shops all over Ukraine. And we sell their special products. And the whole amount of those products were donated to the kids. So first year, we sold some chocolates and tea. Tea, tea I don't know bags tea bags and chocolates, small and the last year we launched like 50 uh, 50 you know 15 I don't remember I mean lots of lots of different products uh, stickers for kids cups um, napkins wet, wet napkins so you know different 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 things and the and it was really successful because we fundraised in such way more than one million of dollars and we know how to how to cooperate with different partners. So we know how to help kids and we invite different companies to help kids together. They have lots of resources and we propose them to do a cooperation, yeah.
0: It's exciting looking back I'm sure at the last 10 years and seeing how everything has grown in the different opportunities that you've been able to, to connect and, and have with people. As you look back as the person that started this foundation, and you look back at the last ten years, what are the things that you're most proud of?
1: I'm the most proud of all the changes that were done in uh, pediatric oncology uh, in Ukraine, because we we brought a light to the to the. I mean, we, we 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 made pediatric oncology in Ukraine the topic of the day for many many uh, years and days, and lots of people started to support kids with cancer in ukraine and we set the standards for other philanthropic foundations uh, for foundation charity foundation and they know how to support and how to provide help to those who are
0: who are needed and olga we'll shift into talking about what's been going on in ukraine over the last couple of months certainly we've all been watching it on the news my understanding is that when this all started you actually were not in ukraine you were out of the country. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, when you started hearing what was going on and what your initial impression and thoughts were?
1: Okay, first of all, in Ukraine, in my circles, nobody believes that the actual war will start, it will happen. We were like, in a week, you know, in a week before the war, I met a friend, we were, we had a dinner in the restaurant, we were drinking wine and we were discussing, oh, it couldn't happen. And the restaurant was fully booked, fully booked. There were no table available and we dis- we discussed it. it couldn't be that the war will will happen so we have to understand that nobody were ready for this and i had a meeting with our board of the project i mean this is people of affluence and influence and nobody were prepared for the war we we discussed it, discussed it briefly but nobody nobody believed that something will happen actually happen so I went for winter holidays with my daughter and my mom uh, to to Thailand. Uh, She had her school break for a week. We had a flight on Friday and we had to come back on next Wednesday in the morning. And I was thinking, oh, should I send her to school those days because we will have a long flight. Um, Unfortunately, in the middle of uh, vacation, the war has started so I never came back to Kiev. I had a family there. I had a team. I had lots of uh, patients whom we are helping and the first task was to support our team financially because it was the end of the month and people will need some money, would need the money to flood the country or to move to more safe place. So the first thing we started to help our team members. Second thing we started to organize evacuation for kids with cancer out of Ukraine because during the war we cannot guarantee them having safe and um, ongoing treatment all the time with availability of all drugs and you know medical supplies that they will need Uh, we already evacuated more than 700 kids out of country Uh, with our help we directly evacuated i mean families not kids but family i mean kid there is a family so mom or grandma and their siblings if they have one Uh, we evacuated with our help, like, hands, 450 kids, but we helped more than 700 kids to evacuate, the, to, to leave the country. And then we started to reorganize our work. I helped also my family who were in Ukraine. At the time, my dad, my brother with his kids, and my friends. I started to help them as much as I can because I have connections, I have my phone, and I know whom to call. That was happening.
0: You talk about evacuating children out of Ukraine. What was that process like? What does it continue to be like? Where are these children going uh, in the end in terms of getting their care and and, resuming life?
1: We had a long partnership with St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Uh, We had like, we've been together for more than five years. We started in 2018. And when the war has begun, they immediately stand up for Ukrainian kids and started the whole negotiation process with European clinics and hospitals in Canada, in US, and in all Europe. They helped us to set up, I mean, not us, they helped Poland Polish Foundation to set up a unicorn clinic. It's basically uh, a new-built hostel which they made uh, a triage clinic where the kids could be triaged. And the other part of the deal were to brought all kids with cancer to live to the hospital, where they had a you know basic check-in how they are how the status of the kids, could they make the road? Um did they have a COVID or no? Because COVID is still there. And uh, then we organize buses to the border. With Poland, so all kids go to Poland. They, they then they have few days of triage, and then uh, Saint Jude negotiates with other hospital whom who will accept something like this.
0: It's really unbelievable. And- You know, you you start hearing these stories on the news pop up, but you realize, obviously, you know, life has been significantly impacted in Ukraine, but there are all these children, you know, even adults who need medical treatment, and those things need to continue to go on. So it's really remarkable the work you've been doing. I wonder, hearing the story of your foundation and all the different things that you're involved in, it sounds like the foundation was in a unique position, having so many resources in different areas in terms of, you know, legislation, in terms of working with the hospitals, in terms of medication and treatments, that you guys were kind of at an advantage in terms of figuring out where you can make your mark in, during the war.
1: Yes. When the war has started and we started evacuating kids, we decided to extend expand our operations. And right now we are helping all kids with humanitarian relief. We evacuate orphans as well because we have the resources to evacuate them. We provide educational educational programs for kids who fled the country or who, who lost their schools where they were living. For example, we had a girl in the program who is from Mariupol, basically. Mariupol is destroyed for 95%, so she doesn't have any ability. I mean, it's, t- it's the worst, worst city in Ukraine. Right now, I mean, everyone is. I don't. We don't know how many civilians were killed there by Russian. And so she, she was lucky enough to escape the city with her mom. And she doesn't have opportunity to study. So we are paying for such education for her. Also, we provide medical uh, supplies for and drugs for civilians who has catastrophic diseases like. I don't know it in English, but believe me uh, for, for civilians who has catastrophic diseases and what else we are doing. And we are buying uh, tactical medicine for military. That's yeah.
0: Wow. And, and we certainly see it on the and news. The, yes. And
1: the first place, of course, and the first place, of course, kids with cancer, I mean, but uh, we expand operations to such groups of
0: people. Absolutely. We're seeing it on the news, but what can you tell us about what this situation is like in Ukraine? When you're speaking with your family, with your friends, with your colleagues that are there, what is it like? What are we not seeing, you know, in the news on television?
1: You don't see that it's there is no safe place in Ukraine. We have um, we have sirens all over the country every day, so we don't know where the missiles or bombs will hit. Uh, we had more than 7 million people who were uh, replaced inside the countries, in country. And yeah, lots of people lost their jobs, lots of people lost their families. And it's really hard period in Ukraine. This is hard. You, see, I, I would say you saw only Bucha like city, but there is not only Bucha, there is Mariupol, there is all other cities. Which, uh, which is suffering and damaged a lot. Russians ruined lots of people's lives and they continue doing this.
0: And go as we wind down, as you look forward in terms of what the foundation is going to do, where do you envision you reaching out over the next couple of years has what's been going on now changed the course of the foundation or do you believe that you'll now integrate that into you know your your long-term plans that you drew up even before No.
1: no we will continue to help kids with cancer it will be our main goal and our help is more needed than ever we are planning to build a hospital for kids with cancer we had this before the war we were working on the project for two years we had the first commitment gift 20, for 20 million out of 65 just before the war. Unfortunately, this commitment gift is not available because it was a Ukrainian company. But we will continue our work to rebuild our country and to provide ha- well, like the, the best possible uh, way of help for kids with cancer inside Ukraine.
0: Well, Ogle, it's truly, it's truly incredible what you've been doing, what the foundation has been doing. And I'm glad that we were able to highlight it here on the podcast. We're going to certainly link uh, the foundation website and ways that our audience okay. can donate in, in our show notes. So Olga, thank you so much for joining us on the Doctors Are People Too podcast.
1: Thank you, Josh. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me here and give me opportunity to share my story.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Doctors Are People 2 podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to share it with your friends and family. Follow us on our Instagram page at Doctors or People 2 podcast. Do you have a question or a comment on the show? Maybe a guest recommendation? Direct message us on our Instagram page. Until next time, this has been the Doctors Are People 2 podcast. Take care.